Good morning. My name is Derek, one of the pastors here. Um, and I want to start off a little bit different this morning. Um, I just want to take a moment and pray. Uh, you guys all know what's happening around the world, specifically in Afghanistan, and how Christians there, I mean, this is about as bad as it gets. So uh, Christians are being killed or they're hiding in caves. Um, so a moment of silence for you to pray in your own heart to God, however the Holy Spirit leads you to pray for those people. There's something I don't get about God, and it's that he listens to our prayers. And so when we pray, he hears and he does something. So our prayers right now may move God to move in one specific person's life right now. I don't know. Um, so just take a minute and, uh, and pray, and then I'll pray. Father, our hearts cry out to you on behalf of uh, those suffering, on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, um, those who are being persecuted and um, tortured or those who are hiding. God, we just ask you to move, um, strengthen them, give them hope, give them joy, uh, give them confidence. Let your will be done. And God, I, I do pray that you would use this time to draw many to you. God, that... Uh, the Taliban and others that come across your servants would see something real that they have never seen before and that many would be saved um, because your people are living in obedience to you um, and filled with confidence because of you. God, we, uh, we love you. We ask that you would uh, help us to continue to pray faithfully uh, for those suffering around the world and that we wouldn't take our own freedom for granted, um, but God, that we would we would be grateful. God, we, uh, we lift this all to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if you haven't noticed, God is on the move. I mean, God is working. And you, you see things going on around the world, but we are in a, a unique time right now. And I know some people are out there, oh, it's the end times. Well, guess what? It's been the end times since Jesus left. So when you read the Bible and it talks about the end times, yes, we're in it. And we have been for a long time. But we are in a unique time, I do believe, uh, where the Spirit is, is reaching people. God is doing some things. God is moving. We have had a lot of baptisms this year. It seems like every week I'm talking to more and more people who are telling me, you know, God is moving in my life. God is doing this. And it's really exciting. And not just here, but elsewhere. But because God is moving here and bringing more people, we have to be faithful with that. Um, and uh, what month is it? Well, October. In five weeks, we're moving to two services. Because we need more space. And we believe God is going to continue to work through you. By the way, we're crowded and it's your fault. Um, I'm serious. Because, because you guys are living differently in your community and God, people are seeing it and, and more are coming. And some of you here are like, yeah, I'm coming because of that person or that person. Well, God wants to continue to move. And so we need to make space for God to continue to move. Not just in this room, but with the kids. If you've ever walked back there, it's a zoo sometimes. So... Um, it is a great thing. We're moving to two services. We can reach more people. There's going to be more space. Um, and so that's happening in October, uh, 9 o'clock and 1030. So if you're one of those that uh, you like to come early and get her done, awesome, 9 o'clock. Uh, if you like to just do it and then go to lunch, 1030 is for you. So um, God is moving, 
which is exciting. And if you look around, you kind of see some of the signs in here of, of what we're about. We're about life change, as you see over here. Our mission is connecting people to the abundant life only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. That's how we, we phrase the Great Commission here. But because God moves and he draws people to him by first bowing the knee, saying yes to Jesus as Lord, then, here's the news, God starts to change you. He starts to do some things. In fact, some of the things in your life you were comfortable with before, you might start getting uncomfortable with. He might do some things in your life, and he will do some things in your life. And as we were reading in Proverbs, we're seeing, and by the way, that's where we're going to be, so grab your Bible, turn to Proverbs. In Proverbs, we really see two different ways of living. And in the Old Testament, right there, uh, the writer of Proverbs has the foolish way and the wise way. Last week, we talked about how to lead the next generation in God's way. And we said it's kind of like shooting an arrow. And as we train up a child in the way they should go, it's not a however way they feel like it. It is a there is a right way to go, and that's the way we want to go. Well, guess what? It's the same for the rest of us. Uh, turn to page 612 is where we're going to be. But we're going to look at quite a few other verses before we land on these. Just kind of skip it through this theme we see in Proverbs. Because if there is a wise way to go, we want to go that way. And I would say that would be the, the way that leads to the abundant life. As Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Because he loves us, he has a way for us to go that's best for us. Do you realize every command in Scripture is for your good? You know, a lot of times we can approach and go, oh, he just wants to control us or whatever. No, if there's a command, it's to protect us or it's to lead us to joy, to peace, to hope. So his way is best. And specifically today, we're going to see a wise way to live when it comes to work and to labor. So here's the question. What is a wise and godly approach to work? You know, this series, we're looking at the heart of God. What is God's heart toward work? And don't tune out if you're like, well, I, I don't have a job. Well, it's the job, but it's also anything else God has put in front of you. What are you responsible for? If you're a student, it's being a student. If, if you're a homemaker, it's way bigger than anything else anybody else is doing, you know, with those kids. Whatever it is, how do we approach labors? We're going to start actually in Genesis 2.15. It's on the screen here to make a point. It says, the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Here's the point of looking at that. This is before sin. This is before the fall. This is before we messed it all up. God's plan from the very beginning was that men and women would work. Now, they were in the garden, and, and I mean, you kind of picture that scene, uh, kind of a cool scene. There weren't goat heads yet. You, you know, labor was different, um, but we were given work to do from the beginning. So, so labor work is part of what God created and created good. So my, my point is there's kind of a, a push in certain areas of, of not working. Um, you know, I had a phone call 15 years ago when I was trying to hire somebody for a labor job and talked about how much it pays. Like, oh, I make more on unemployment, so I'm just going to stay home and not work. And there's kind of a push that way right now for people to not work. But as we look in Scripture, God's way is different than maybe how our culture would want to push. And in the New Testament, you actually see this happening in the early church. Some were not working because they thought Jesus was going to return so soon. They're like, ah, we quit our jobs. We're not doing anything. We're just waiting for him to come back. And they had to go, okay, time out. If you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> I mean, we need to work. And if you're not going to work, you go hungry. But specifically, what does God say about 
work and about labor. So I'm going to jump through a bunch of Proverbs because that's where we're at. Proverbs 10.5. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. 12.11. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense or is stupid, you could say. Uh, 12.24. The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. The sluggard does not plow in autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. 24. I passed by the field of the sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. 26.15, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. And then here's our verse for the day. 28.19 and 20, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. But he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Those two verses that we just end, kind of sum up what all the rest say, and they really give us some clarity on how we should approach work. And so if you're a big idea person, here's the big idea for the day. A wise way to live is to faithfully do what God has called you to do. Wow, that's deep. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it doesn't sound all that deep, but it's pretty significant. A wise way to live is to faithfully do whatever God has given you to do at the moment. And the key word there is Faithful, you see that in verse 20, Proverbs 28, 20, a faithful man will abound in blessings. That word faithful, it means steady. It means consistent. It means true. Somebody you can depend on. This is what God wants us to be, constant, reliable. You know, maybe you don't like your job. Maybe you're a student, you don't like your, being a student. Whatever it is, a lot of times we can get wrapped up with, with what we do. And before we get too much into this, I want to kind of point out one significant truth. I'm not what I do. My identity is in Christ alone. I think this is really helpful. As we go to approach work, you know, a lot of us in here have jobs and those things, and we get wrapped up, a lot of us, in identity with our job. But our identity is in Christ, and we find all we need in Him, and then we can faithfully do whatever God has called us to do, whatever that is. But I am not what I do. My identity is in Christ alone. Uh, this kind of hit me when I was studying this six weeks ago or so, and I was reading. We live in a different world right now, and it's kind of weird to hear people depressed. Um, it's not weird, but, but people are depressed because their job isn't going well or their work, and, or they don't have a lot of joy in their job. Have that conversation with somebody 150 years ago. That's a conversation that just wouldn't happen because what they did was whatever mom and dad did probably or what other five other options there were in the village, in, in the town. We live in an unprecedented time of opportunity, you know, of travel, of education, to do all these other things. For most of human history and throughout the world, it has been, you do whatever you need to do to survive. You know, people didn't wrap up with, oh, my identity as a whatever it is. And, and I think that's helpful for us, that we are free to find our identity in Christ and then faithfully do whatever it is, a nurse, a school teacher, a homemaker, a ditch digger. I mean, go through the list. I am, what I do is important, 
but it's not who I am. You know, my first job out of college was a custodian. And I prided myself in the cleanest urinals. And it got awkward sometimes when I would wait in the bathroom for them to point out how clean everything was. But, but I, I did. I, I took pride in, in my job there. But my identity wasn't in that. It was in being a Christ follower. And now my identity is not in being a pastor. This is what I do. And I love what I do now. I do find joy in it. But my identity isn't in being a pastor. My identity is in Christ. And so if my job changes tomorrow, that doesn't change me. Because me and God are good. So, now that we have that out of the way, three truths from these verses about our labors. Three truths about work. Number one, God has given you responsibility for something. Again, wow, deep. No, God has given you responsibility for something. If you look at verse 19, it says, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. Of course, this is written in a time of agriculture. Uh, most of us are not farmers. Maybe a couple of you grow alfalfa or something. Um, but we're not farmers. But back then, it was very agricultural. And so they had land. And he who would work his land, that was, that was their job. So for you, what is your land? What are you responsible for? If you have a job, right, that's pretty easy. It's whatever that is. Are you a parent? Hmm. Guess what your responsibility is? You've got those kids. Are you a, a kid? Well, you have responsibility in your family or as a student. I mean, go down the list. What are you responsible for? This is in your notes, and I would ask you to kind of fill this in. God has given me responsibility for blank. What is it? If you're retired, what is it? It probably changed when you retired what was in there, but there's still something that God has given you responsibility for. You know, this morning as I was going through this, I filled mine in as, as kingdom movement. You know, I mean, here's our, our vision as a church, and I feel like that's my calling as well. God has given me responsibility for kingdom movement, um, of driving people whoosh, <laughs> to, to go his way. I mean, my joy and my responsibility is to help people say yes to Jesus and grow in that life he has for them, and then to keep moving. A lot of times, you know, churches have a tendency to, to get inward focused and protect and whatever, I feel like my big responsibility is that never, ever happens um, here and participate elsewhere in what God would do. And so what is it for you, though? What has God given you responsibility for? Whatever it is, do it. I mean, plain and simple. So what is the other option? Look in these verses. You know, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, whatever your responsibility is. What's the other option? He who follows worthless pursuits. So, look at culture, look at your own life. Faithfully doing what God has called you to do or worthless pursuits. Any, any of those pop into mind right now? What might those worthless pursuits be? Those unproductive time wasters. When I was in college, I had some roommates who would play, uh, it was the Legend of Zelda video game. Um, that, how old I am, yeah. The Legend of Zelda, and they would play it for like eight to ten hours a day. I think that would lump right here into uh, worthless pursuits. Um, you know, I wasn't really into the video game so much, but I loved to read, and I could get wrapped up in maybe reading a novel, and actually, oh, my girls aren't in here. They love to read too. You can go too far into that, just reading a, a novel or something, a worthless pursuit. What other worthless pursuits? Uh, I looked up some of this. The average internet user, which is 
like all of us probably, <laughs> the average internet user spends two hours and 24 minutes a day on social media. That, and that's average, two and a half hours on social media. The average TikTok subscriber spends 45 minutes a day just on that app. So I don't know what TikTok is, <laughs> but if you do, then you're probably on there 45 minutes a day, right, girls? I see them looking at each other back there. I, and again, I'm not sure what's on the TikTok, but uh, this could be one of those time wasters, these worthless pursuits. But what else? Well, look here at uh, verse 21, or verse 20. It says, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. The, the get-rich-quick schemes, that's, he's calling that, worthless pursuits are the, I want to skip over the hard work and just get the benefit, just get the stuff. Uh, verse, or Proverbs 14, 23, it says, in all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. You know, that's, it's that, that talk, the, the pursuing, again, the get-rich-quick schemes. How can I go around the system? Rather, Scripture makes really clear, God is going to bless labor over time, faithfulness over time. Proverbs 12, 11, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. He who follows worthless pursuits is stupid in certain translations. I, we want to go a wise way. This is, I love God's word. He's saying, here's a path that leads to blessing. Here's a path that is faithfulness. Here's a path that leads to the abundant life. Here's one that leads to destruction and pain, and it is worthless pursuits. It is chasing after money, hastening to be rich. Maybe you've done this. Maybe you've seen this. I sure as heck have, of how can I go around, uh, bend the rules, whatever it is, to get there. It doesn't lead to blessing. In Matthew uh, 25, you're probably familiar with the story of there's three servants and their, their king comes to them and he gives one five, you know, $500, gives the other one $200, and gives the other one $100. Um, and he gives it to him and says, I'm, you, this is my money, but you take care of it for a little while. I'm going on a trip. When I come back, we'll settle up. The king goes away. He comes back and he settles up. And the first one comes and says, hey, I, I took your 500 I made 500 more. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. And then the one who had 200 brings that. And he says, I made 200 more. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. And then the last one, who wasn't given very much, brings it. And he's like, here it is, brushing the dirt off. I knew you, you were a hard man. And so I took what you gave me and I buried it. And here I dug it up and here it's yours. And he says, you wicked and lazy servant. You could have put it in a bank and at least gotten interest. That would have been something. The whole point here is we are given talents, you know, whether it's money, whether, but other stuff, we're given responsibility for something, and someday, that's a picture of our future, someday we're going to stand before Jesus, and you say, what did you do with what I gave you? Again, not just physical stuff, but our talents, our, our abilities, our uh, possibilities, I, I would say, you know, those things that come our way that we could do. He's going to ask if we were faithful with those things. So again, what are you responsible for? And will God say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? I sure hope so. That's all I want to hear. It really is. So here's number two. 
God desires for you to carry out that responsibility faithfully. What is a faithful man? Somebody who's firm, constant, steadfast. Do you realize that we can waste our lives? Scripture lays it out in Corinthians. There are those of us who will say yes to Jesus, be saved, but then we'll end up in heaven, and the picture is like singed. That we'll, we'll walk holding all the things we did in this life, and we'll pass through this furnace, and we get to the other side, and, and the things that we've done faithfully for God's glory will last. The things that we did that were just kind of a waste will burn up, and some people will walk through and have nothing left. Happy to be there, you know, happy to be with God, but we really can waste our lives. We can say no to the good things he's planned for us to do. Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as for the Lord and not for men. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart for the Lord and not for men. Whatever. Are you a student? Work hard at being a student. Are you on a sports team? Work hard at that sport, whatever that is. What has God given you to do? Are you a teacher? Be the best teacher you can be. Go the extra mile. Are you a parent? Be the best parent you can be. Whatever you do, do it for God, not for men. You know, people ask, what's God's will for my life? Easy answer. Right now, it's whatever's in front of you. It doesn't mean you don't look for something. It doesn't mean you don't look for another job or you don't look for another opportunity. But God's will for you is to be faithful with whatever it is right now. I I can't tell you how many times I've seen people who, their job or whatever, I'm not content with this, and so I'm just going to bide my time. You know what I mean? I'm not going to do a good job at it. I don't want to be here anyway. Oh, what's that song? Uh, the, The car wash blues. I got the car wash blues. Anyway. He, 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 he's washing cars, but really he should, have a, he should have a management job, and so he's just not going to do a good job washing the cars. I mean, that's kind of it. As Jesus followers, this is what struck me this morning. I always go through it and pray through it. What struck me was a picture of God's people. Could we be, because this is God's plan, could we be the most joyful, best laborers out there? Again, whatever job it is. But we're overflowing with joy and hope and confidence and security And then we're doing really good at whatever we do. Unfortunately, Christians don't always have the reputation of being good hard workers. We don't. But we should be the ones where people are like, I want more of those people. They work really hard at whatever it is. You know, being a laborer on a construction site. Working hard and then looking for the next thing to do. Can we be that? Full of joy, doing whatever God has for us right there. And then why? Because Jesus has already given us everything. I mean, I think of what's going on in Afghanistan. How could they have joy hiding in a cave up there, you know, risking, you know, in danger of their lives being, being taken? How could you have joy there? Because you know if that happens, immediately you're in the presence of God. Our confidence is in eternity. With, he, we were given everything. So why wouldn't we overflow with joy and gratitude now? And because of that, this overflow, do really good at anything. Do really good at whatever God has given you to do. You know, this is in the notes. I said, let's not miss out on what's in front of us because we're looking at what might come. I think that's some of those empty pursuits. The grass is greener there. And so I'm not going to be faithful here because the grass is greener there. I married the wrong person. I've heard this. I married the wrong person, and so I'm not really going to give myself to it. No, God's will for you is to be married to that person. You said I do. You're married. That's before you. 
Be the best husband. Be the best wife, whatever that would be. So let's not look at the grass is greener over there. All right, number three, last one. God will honor your faithfulness with his favor. Look at verse 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings. Do you want to be blessed? Man, when we read through Scripture and Jesus says, you know, I came that they may have a life and have it abundantly, I really do have this picture of, of God with arm full of blessings, of great relationships, of joy, of, you know, the fruits of the Spirit, and he's just waiting. He says, just come to me, come to me, follow me, do life my way, and I want to pour all this out to you. But yet we get seduced by the world. Oh, but this looks fun. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to try that, whatever it is. And we, we then don't get all these blessings God wants to give us. Right here we see very clear that God will honor our faithfulness with his favor. Galatians 6.9 says, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. I love this verse. Because look at this picture. In due season. Go back to that farmer. They plow in the fall. You know, or they harvest in the fall, then they have to plow, then they plant. It's kind of a year long, but how long does it take from the, the plowing to the, the harvesting? It depends on the plant, but it could be a year. Faithfulness over time leads to blessing. You know, with Amazon, <laughs> we go around this, well, I need a new whatever, boop, 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 got it, right? We, we want this immediate gratification, but really it's faithfulness over time produces blessing. That's why these get-rich schemes aren't God's way in general, because for him, it is faithfulness. Work hard, and he will bless that over time. Same with your marriage. You're struggling in marriage? It's not going to be fixed tomorrow. Faithfulness over time. Give to that person over time, right? You've made mistakes. We, we all have, but over time, put that person first. All these things, relationships, parents with your kids, have you messed those up? It's going to take some time to work on it to be faithful over time. It won't be fixed overnight. So let's not grow weary of doing good. In due season, the blessing will come. Laziness today does not lead to rewards later. So here's the big idea. A wise way to live is to faithfully do what God has called you to do. Again, that, the picture that comes to mind is can we just be overflowing with joy because of what Jesus has done in our lives and then we are ambitious to do great at whatever he gives us to do. You know, we move now to a time of communion because that's what we're doing here. When we take communion, we're remembering Jesus' death and his resurrection and we're looking forward to him coming back. We're remembering that when he died on the cross and Jesus said, it is finished, Meaning in that moment, he purchased our lives for eternity. That when we, by faith, accept Jesus as Lord, we are saved because of his death. And in his resurrection, he yelled out victorious. God said that sacrifice is acceptable. Jesus rose from the dead in a new body, which someday we will have a new body in eternity with him. And so we take the Lord's Supper, remembering what he did, looking forward to him coming back. And it's this reminder, this is why we do it every two weeks. We do it often, because we need this reminder. This should fill us with joy. This should fill us with gratitude that I am saved not by my own works, that I am secure eternally because of Jesus. Thank you. I mean, our life should just flow out. Thank you to God. And so as we do this, I want you to remember this is for believers. If you have not placed your faith in Jesus as Lord, 
That's okay. Don't take it yet. But I'm going to be up here. If you want to know what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, come talk to me. Come pray with me, and then you can take the Lord's Supper. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's marking off who's walking up and who isn't. But also, it's a time for you to examine your own heart. Do you have sin in your life that you're not dealing with? Do you have a relationship that you need to repair? Pray to God, commit to him on those things, and then come take the Lord's Supper with the commitment to go his way. Let me pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you that your word is so practical. Uh, God, you created all things. You spoke.